my grandpa would take out his mattress and put it on the front lawn and we would sleep out front uh, on the front lawn to stay cool. He said, son, the reason why we work so hard is so that you can get an education and you can be better than us. We could all eat and enjoy, get the protein we needed, but I can still taste. And I, I remember the taste of the metal of the pots that he used because he used it so much they were old, ragged, and I, I hated it growing up. And I, honestly, the, the reason why I worked so hard in the classroom when I was, was I would be like, I am never doing this. When I heard your story, it, you've come a long way and you've made a lot of sacrifices and you've done it through what I think is a sense of personal responsibility. That's something I really respect. And so I'm excited for people to hear more about your story, but let's start out with just where you were born. Yeah, good question. Born and raised here in good old Utah. Uh, um, my parents immigrated from the islands of Tonga in the late 1970s. Um, you kind of risk everything, right? It's, yeah. it's the the typical immigrant story where they sold off everything. They gave up everything they had, the comfort of their home, their friends, their family, food that their body accepted and they liked, a oh, language that they yeah. understood and could speak fluently and um, gave it up to to basically chase what was known as the American dream, right? They, they um, saw it in American movies and heard of you know, the milk and honey and the butterflies and everything that was great on this side. And, and they yeah. give it up to come here. And I think the, the interesting thing is that the American dream is not what it seems to be. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not just rainbows and butterflies all day, every day, but um, kind of mixed in with that is hardship trials uh, and, and a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's what we experienced the, the, the home that I kind of remember as a young, young boy was in Kearns, Utah, uh, with five other families. Mm -hmm. My family was the largest family. And so we got the living room wow. and, um, I can just still remember being on this hardwood floor with my siblings oh, and it was hardwood, just like little sardines to stay yeah. warm in the cold winter. Uh, nights of Utah and then in the hot summer nights of Utah my grandpa would take out his mattress and put it on the front lawn and we would sleep out front uh, on the front lawn to stay cool um, and so it's those little memories that have just kind of stuck with me I, I still remember my my grandpa cooked chicken soup every day every meal that was kind of the the go-to was something that we could afford and we could all eat and enjoy get the protein we needed but I can yeah. still taste and I, I remember the taste of the metal of the pots that he used because he used it so much. They were old, ragged, oh, and they, man. it's just like, you know, back then it's just like, oh, this is what it was. Yeah. And then when you look back and you get old enough, you're like, oh my gosh, this was the actual metal. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like, we're getting, we're getting like old, like the pots taste. And, and so it's those little things that I just have kept with me as memories i think one of the most important words in the human in, in the english language or in language period is is remember yeah and i think people typically fail or they lose sight of their goals because not because they meant to or because you know 
I, I think typically they just fail to remember. And, and so those little things stick with me and I carry with me wherever I go because it's, it's what helps me push through those hard times and kind of trials and, and things that come into my life. Oh, that's really cool. And I, I'm just imagining you tasting chicken noodle soup later on and being like, this tastes different, you know, no metal. But no, <laughs> no, I think that's such a healthy way to think about it because a lot of people we get stuck in this futuristic mindset of, oh, we're not where we want to be right now. And we forget to measure backwards and think of how far we've come. A lot of joy comes from obviously anticipating the future, but it's not healthy to always focus on the future and to remember those things. That's where your foundation is. That's where your strength comes from to keep going. And, and if you don't have trials and if you're just given everything, you're a shallow soul, um, not, not by your choice, right? But uh, I guess I guess by your choice if you don't put yourself in situations where you can <laughs> fail. But going through hard times just makes you so strong. And so, and you said you didn't really realize until later. What was your complete attitude as a kid when you're sleeping on the hardwood floor? What was your attitude like? Oh, happy. I mean, just. This was the best thing, you know, it was like a sleepover every night, right? You don't, you don't realize you don't have much when you're in, right? The chicken soup, even though I remember the taste of the metal, it was great. I loved it. My uncle still complains. He tells stories that he hated it, right? It was just like, Mm. why do we have to eat this every day? And he was older, obviously, but as a kid, not having much was, was normal. And then when you look back now and you're like, wow, I can't believe we, we made it. And my parents were able to hold it together with us like having nothing and all living in the same house and my dad juggling two to three jobs. He would come home late at night and then him and my mom would then leave while we're all asleep and they would go clean office buildings. And so, you know, you, you think back now I'm, I'm working, I have a a young family and I'm like, I couldn't imagine coming home from work and then having to leave with my wife again as my kids are sleeping and having to go clean office buildings all night to come back, maybe get an hour or so of sleep and then go back to my next job. And yeah. so those, those memories are just, when you're in it, it, it doesn't seem, you know, bad at all, especially as a kid, you don't recognize what money is, what, you know, having things are until you get a little bit older. Um, but it definitely has made me more grateful and, um, more appreciative for everything we have, but then also trying to, how do I recreate these lessons and these values for my kids who will never taste that metal, who will never sleep on a hardwood floor, who will never have to live in another home with another family. Um, How do I create that and teach them the same values and principles that I learned through those experiences without that? And and that's kind of the, the question that me and my wife ask ourselves every day and try to recreate it without obviously not being tough and saying, well, you're going to sleep outside or you're going to sleep on the floor just because um, we try to get down to the root of the lesson is what did I learn from that? And how do I teach our kids that and have them experience it so that when they get in the real world, they've already experienced it at home. It's not something they're having to learn for the first time with a boss or at school or, or wherever you're at. No, I think that's such, it's such a deep question to ask yourself as a parent to try to figure those things out 
with with keeping a balance in everything right because you don't want to alienate yourself from them you want to do it in a healthy way to where it gives them confidence and doesn't beat them down and I, that's i mean it almost seems like there's not a, a a right answer across the board it's probably just by kid in a way i would imagine and trying to shape your kids that way but man that's hard it sounds like i'm interviewing the wrong people right now i feel like i need to interview your parents instead of (laughs) 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 they they sound incredible i just can't imagine knowing that you're sacrificing everything working three jobs and then coming home and seeing your wife and kids on on a hardwood floor sleeping and they're they're happy because you're probably doing a great job raising them but but man that's got to be hard i can't imagine that um what was what was it like after high school when when you graduated or or i guess just when you started working what was that like right after high school was playing football and you know it it's one thing to like go through that experience um and and kind of see your parents struggle through it and then you're now at an opportunity where you're playing football which is fun but then you realize like okay how do i get out of this how do I make sure I'm not, um, you know, landing back where my parents started? Uh, my my dad used to always tell me something. He 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 told me something that stuck with me. He said, "Son, the reason why we work so hard is so that you can get an education and you can be better than us. That's mm. what this whole sacrifice was. This that's why we came to America. That's why we work all these jobs. Yeah. And so, going to school." became my priority football was always the fun thing and it was kind of the vehicle to get an education but i knew that's what i needed to do Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that that's kind of how i started i started going to school i came back i I actually transferred to utah state um i was playing football there a couple years i sat on the bench and it's like look this is not my future future is not football and um kind of focused on schools and on school and my schoolwork and actually changed up kind of like student politics and ran for student body president. So became the student body president there. I served two terms at Utah state and that's kind of what's gotten me involved with local politics and being civically engaged is I saw the impact that I could make as a student Mm. on a state level, not only with 30,000 students representing them at Utah state, uh, but I also served as the president of the Utah Student Association, which is the board is all the student body presidents in Utah. Mm. And we're representing all, I think it was 180,000 students back then. And so it was cool to kind of see the impact that we could have on a state level, working with the governor's office, with the state legislature and, you know, coming up with initiatives and, and, and making a difference for all students in Utah. And so that's kind of the route I've, I've kind of come through, but I knew that my education was possible or not possible was important because of my parents' sacrifice. Now, if you ask me now, we started talking about this before the podcast about like higher education and and kind of the different routes, right? I've, I've gotten two bachelor's degree, a master's degree, but I've kind of gone the entrepreneurship route. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's different routes to, um, to what you want. Mm-hmm. because I think my parents were immigrants. There were things that I needed to learn Yeah, that, you know, maybe are taught in, in a regular average American home. And, and my parents, they weren't helping me with homework. 
So like science, reading English, mm-hmm. like that wasn't something that came natural to my parents. And so I had to go to school to learn those things. And so uh, I have a very different opinion than I think the normal person when asking, like, should I go to college? Should I go get, you know, an MBA? Should I go do those things? I did those things, but it was the path and the route that I knew that would lead me to where I wanted to be into my goals. I, I'm teaching my kids entrepreneurship right now. They've mm-hmm. uh, they've started one company. They want to start another one here That's cool. uh, this year. And the plan is that they will go to college. Um, that, yes, for sports, but also just to like, I think the, the social aspect of it and also just to learn hard things. Mm-hmm. But if for some reason they're like, dad, I... I actually want to drop out and want to start a company. I would be all for it. But I think the initial path and plan is go to college, learn what you need to learn, make friends, uh, get out there in the world, be on your, be on your own in kind of a structured form where you go to classes, you have a schedule. Um, and if for some reason you have an idea to start your own thing, like I'm I'm 110% in and support it. Yeah. And, and Oh, I think there's so much that you can learn from going out and doing your own thing, learning how hard it is and, and learning all those little skills hands-on is just so valuable. And, and I got to say, going to school, I was doing it when, you know, I had my daughter and I was also trying to start my real estate business and juggling all those three things. That was the biggest thing that school taught me is just how to balance everything and keep my head cool when it was just when I didn't want to do some stupid homework assignment, you know, that I'd rather do, I'd rather pour all my heart into this, but you need balance in your life. You need to figure out how to manage your time. I didn't know how to do that. And so school is perfect. And, and it's cool that your kids have a mentor to be able to, to say, Hey dad, what do you think about this business idea? And then you could probably break it down for them, like numbers wise and whole vision. And, and that's a huge support. I've got to say my dad's an entrepreneur too. And his support gives me way more confidence than I think he'll ever know. So I think that's pretty cool, man. Um, I love that, man. Yeah. So, okay. So, Sojo construction, how did that all start? No, that was uh, the randomest thing. Well, here's the thing. My dad started a construction company. That's how he got out of juggling the two to three company or work okay. jobs. Cool. Um, he learned the trade of drywall. He worked for a, a family friend for years and then was just like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to start my own thing. Yeah. Taught all of my uncles who worked for him, uh, me and my brothers, as soon as we were like, big enough to hold a hammer and could walk and pick up garbage. (laughs) We were, we were working all summers and then, you know, evenings where we could. And so it was something I grew up with. Um, That's hard work, but I hated it. Yeah. Yeah, It's tough. It's, it's the worst. Like there's cleaning, sanitation, cleaning out like outhouses. And then there's drywall below. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Drywall might be worse than that. I don't know. No, that's what I'm saying. It's it's oh, it's at it's the bottom. It. Like, okay, I was gonna yeah, say it's yeah. below it. It's like it's yeah. like the worst trade. And I'm with you. I mean, the great thing is it's nice because it's job security, right? Nobody yeah. wants to do it. It's hard. It's like it's it's a bit of a mix of like hard work plus like an art because it's it's like what you end up doing before you paint, so it's gotta look good. Yeah. Um anyways, I, I hated it growing up and I, 
honestly, the, the reason why I worked so hard in the classroom was, was I would be like, I am never doing this. I, I am not doing this again. Once I leave this house and this company, I'm never picking up like uh, uh, any plaster, mud and anything again. Well, fast forward, I'm in Houston, Texas at Rice. I'm in an entrepreneurship class and the, um, the, the task or the, the assignment is to start a company, write a business plan mm. and actually start a company. Well, put the business plan together. And um, I'm, I'm reading in Utah, like housing shortage, construction worker shortage. Mm. This was when they were building out the, the Salt Lake uh, City Airport and they were giving out gift cards for workers to show up. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> That's crazy. I'm just, I want, I want to go to you. I want to live in Utah long term. So I'm just going to do it. Just one, I know it. So it's going to be easy. I know construction. Yeah. yeah. I can prove the demand by saying, look, professor, here's the demand. Yeah. There's a shortage. We can't get workers or whatever. So I'm doing it for the assignment. And then my professor's like reviewing it. And he's like, why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, do you have the money? I'm like, yes. And he's like, I think you should go and actually kick it off and, and start it. And I'm like, okay, let's I'll I'll try. I'll try. Right. It's not that much capital. Yeah. And so during my spring break, I come to Utah, I get licensed, insured, um, and I actually start like putting out advertisements and stuff like, Hey, we're, we're starting to do this work. We start getting some leads in and immediately that's March, 2020 pandemic hits. Uh, and I'm like, Oh shoot. Like, no. how do we, how do we deal with this? Yeah. Um, this, this is probably the worst investment, sunk costs, whatever. We lost this money, like everything's shutting down. It's not going to work. Well, we're like, okay, well, let's just kind of keep on doing it. People say we can still come to their house, give them bids. Yeah. And we're focused on basements. Um, mm. My dad did a lot of new builds in Utah and stuff, but I just wanted to be inside, be away from the elements, mm -hmm. away from the snow during the winters, away from the hot summers. Um, and so it was like, yeah, we'll leave the, the basement window open. You can come measure, give us a bid, and you can come work on it. Well, fast forward a couple of months, we're getting all these leads and, you know, everything is shut down. So people need a home office. Mm. People need a place for their kids to do school. Mm -hmm. Gyms are closed. So yeah. we now need to, to work out and I want a home gym. And so what... that was the exact point where I finished my basement because we need yeah. more space. That's perfect. Yeah. So what seemed from the outside, like this is the worst time to start a business, just couldn't have been a perfect storm. Like obviously the pandemic and everything that happened, you don't wish that upon anyone no. or any, you know, it, and it was, it was just crazy, but man, our, just our business took off, like just phone call, phone call, phone call. And a lot of it was word of mouth and free advertising. It was like Facebook posts, like, man. Hey, we're starting to do basements. And it just kind of took off, man. And and the cool thing was we were able to hire people that were getting laid off because their companies were shutting down. And so oh, man. Um, we were able to help some families out, help people who lost work. And um, that's kind of how it started. It's been almost five years. It's four plus years now. Uh, we hit five years in November and um, just kind of crazy how it's it started in that kind of um time and it's it's kind of just worked out and so started off as an assignment ended up being a real business took off during the pandemic and um 
we're still here today and doing basements, remodels and all of that stuff. Oh, that's cool. So did you, what were your plans when you went into business school? Did you have a vision for what you kind of wanted prior to starting this business? What you wanted from that? Yeah. So I, I was, I've been in tech uh, forever, um, a decade now. And, and that was the goal was like, you know, this is going to be a kind of a career launching pad and a career accelerator. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it did, I, I came out, I came out with a job at Google. I was managing a team. Um, we were responsible for, I don't know that I can even say this, but like, uh, a lots of millions of dollars on the Google ads side. <laughs> side. Uh, we were bringing That's in cool. a lot of money. Um, yeah. And so that, I, honestly, I so I still have a day job. I still work at Google nice. full-time and I still run Sojo Construction full-time. So I have a, a busy schedule, but it's it's fun. I enjoy the kind of the entrepreneurship side and, and love that. But then also what's happening on the Google end, just the being at the forefront and the tip of the spear when it comes to technology and AI and generative AI is really cool. uh, super exciting to be a part of that and just to learn. And so very different industries and, uh, but I've, I've kind of kept both. A lot of my friends are like, dude, you need to quit and just do Sojo construction full time and probably, but um, I, I enjoy both and, and love both, which is, it's been great that I've been able to keep kind of both passions of technology and construction. No, that's cool. Let's get into your campaign. So at what moment did you decide that you were going to run? Yeah. So I um, I started a nonprofit a year ago, and uh, the name of it is Raise the Tide. The, the whole idea behind it is uh, that – behind is the the quote that says uh, a high tide raises all ships mm-hmm. and i noticed and and a bunch of my friends noticed that especially in the the polynesian community there was just a lack of kind of like information and coaching and and workshops to help entrepreneurs people in real estate investing investing in general mm-hmm. and we wanted to put on kind of conferences or workshops to help up level or raise the tide for our community. And so it's free. It was all free of cost. We weren't looking to make a dime. We brought in just great speakers who were gurus or experts in that specific realm, whether it was real estate or uh, entrepreneurship and, and even diving deeper into like different industries within entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. We brought on founders from uh, restaurants and different stuff companies here in Utah that you'd recognize. Um, and after doing this, we, one of our biggest events, we had, um, governor, governor Cox come out. He came and spoke. We had 400 people at that event and I'm sitting on stage with him and doing a fireside chat and, you know, asking him questions and stuff. And, you know, towards the end, I'm kind of like wrapping up and I'm telling everyone, all right, y'all like, look, we have, the governor of Utah on stage with us spending, you know, an hour with us talking about policy, talking about the importance of getting involved. Everyone's got to get involved. Know who your representatives are, know what the issues are. You know, you can make a difference. And while I'm sitting on stage and saying this, like my mind is like 
saying, you hypocrite, (laughs) you, you, you know, this process, you know, like you're involved enough that you can give back and you can give more than just sitting on a stage and telling 400 people that they should go out and vote and get registered and know the issues. And it was that moment on stage that I was like, you know what, I've got to do more. And Mm. I've, I'd kind of distance myself a little bit from politics because I felt that I I'd been one, one disenfranchised a little bit by what had been going on on national stage and Mm. kind of the issues and the fighting and kind of the, the polarization and dividing people. Um, and, and then I just told myself I'd never run for office because of what it would do to my family. And Mm. it was that moment that I was like, you know what, you need to do more. I don't know what that is, but you need to do more. And then, um, came home, talked to my wife and was like, I think I want to run. And she's like, for what? And I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> but I, I, I like, I think I want to like actually yeah. be in the seat that votes and makes a difference. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's no longer good enough to stand on the sidelines and cheer for people or to, you know, even knock doors for or donate to campaigns. Like we have to be the people to stand up for our rights, for what we believe should be happening in our state, in our country. And, um, that was kind of the start of kind of this whole campaign and this whole kind of political process that we've uh, started about six months ago. With education and the things that you stand for, you said that there were some things that you didn't agree with. If people elected Doug Fiafia, what would yeah. they expect to be represented as far as education goes? Um, I'm a big proponent of what's called school choice. Um, it was something that was introduced last year in last year's legislative session, which essentially allows uh, taxpaying citizens or really anyone who's who's a citizen of Utah to use a portion of their taxes to then go to the form of education that they choose for their child. And so what that does is it, one, make sure that parents are more involved and they have the power and the ability and the choice to then send their school, their, their kid to uh, a charter school, a private school, or even homeschool and use some of those dollars to fund that. Or they can continue to go to public school and uh, nothing changes, but it just gives more options for parents. As we were talking earlier, every kid is different. Every Mm -hmm. kid learns differently. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some kids that, thrive in a classroom and given an assignment and they do great at test taking. And there's some kids who can't sit still for five minutes and they need to be out like, you know, doing sports or doing something active. They need to be touching and feeling, you know, bones of, of a dinosaur to understand it and not reading a book. And so this gives parents the ability to choose and to find the kind of the right education model for their kid. But then also, the other part to this is a school or education system that shares the same values, um, which we're seeing more and more of those values deteriorating, not only in schools, just as a, as a country, as a state. Um, I, I don't think this is a, an attack on public education. Uh, my kids are in public schools. That's the choice that we make as parents yeah. to keep them in public schools. And so 
um, I just believe that parents should be more involved and have the power to choose what's right for their kid. No, I, I totally agree. I think you have a unique perspective having been in student government because you said that you learned that, wow, I could actually make a difference as a student. And so that probably carried over to this thinking, man, I can actually make a difference in public education as a parent and, and make something happen which I think is something that parents are really lacking these days. We kind of feel powerless in what public schools are going to teach our kids. What's going to end up in my kid's library is one of their classmates going to come in and pretending to be a dog and have to, you know, deal with that. Um, All sorts of weird things. And so, and, and we want to have as much control as possible and making sure that our kids are, they end up well off and, and, and developing the way that they can and, and achieving their full potential. And so how would you suggest a parent who's feeling powerless over their kid's education? Maybe they work full time and they can't homeschool their kid um, and, and they can't afford private school. Hopefully, hopefully you can do something about parents being able to get funding to be able to, you know, fund their kids, private school, things like that. But what, what is something a parent can do right now? Yeah. Um, the first thing is being involved and just in the small things, the homework, right? Like know what your kids are learning, you know, be engaged parents at your conferences. Like those are important. Show up, understand what's being taught in schools. And then I would say, have a good relationship with the teacher if it's public school. The next kind of level to that is knowing kind of your state school board member, right? If there's ever any concerns with, you know, something that's being taught or what's being in our libraries or what kids are being exposed to, um, it can be addressed pretty quickly with your state school board member. Um, I have my state school board member on speed dial, mm. like, and, and it's not like, I just need to complain about everything. I'm not that type of parent. <laughs> yeah. But if I have a question, if I'm hearing something I'm like, you know, parents talk and they're like, I can't believe my kid was learning this and this was taught in their class. I shoot him a text and say, Daryl, is this true? Is this right? Is this real? Is this like what, what's going on? And he can quickly say like, yes, that's part of curriculum. No, that's not. Let me look into it. What's the school like? And and quickly can work with principals, teachers and stuff. So I think knowing that person, they're an elected official, they're in your neighborhoods, like they're part of your community, most likely have kids going to the same schools that your kids go to. And so they're just as concerned as you are. Right. And they, they want to hear from you and it it takes a, a quick text or a quick call to like stay engaged and like, if you're hearing something, don't just stay quiet and be like, I can't believe they're teaching my kid that, but this is the only option. Yeah. And I, I really like how you said too, that it, <laughs> you're not coming across as a Karen or anything to <laughs> the rep. You're just saying, Hey man, is this true? And, and you're, you're on the same team. You're just trying to make, make things the best they can be for the kids. What's the most practical way for somebody to just dip their toes into a local government right now to know what's going on. Go to caucus night. It's an hour long. You'll learn a ton about just politics in general. Um, There's a, there's a website. If you rather just read le.utah.gov, 
That's where all of the bills are being introduced. You can look at the agenda. You can look at what bills and what they're about. I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot of time. Does it take effort? Sure. Um, but it'll be well worth your time. And, um, if you take time to learn and get involved, it, I mean, you can make a big difference by just even doing a, a, a little bit in a small uh, portion of your time will, will pay off for sure. That's cool, man. Love it. This is super helpful. Um, well, Doug, you're the man. Thanks for doing this. Now, Cole, appreciate you, man. Appreciate all that you're doing and uh, sharing people's stories and just honored to be on your podcast. Appreciate you. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found comfort.